What's up, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Bucks and uh, Locked on Pretzels, as you can see from Frank Madden, uh, late night snack. Uh, that's, that's fair enough. But we're to Crispix. We're talking, uh, not a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, we are talking about <laughs> <laughs> Greece and Serbia today. It was a classic, but if you're a Greek fan or a Giannis fan, not necessarily the result you wanted, but you still got to saw a monster performance uh, from Giannis. So we're going to break that down. And uh, I heard a whisper that Frank has some takes that he wants to get off his chest. So please stick around to the end of the podcast. It will be worth your time. I can promise you that. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Find my work over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. And of course, uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. And you know, I keep saying this, but the numbers through the offseason, the dead of the offseason, have still been pretty damn strong, Frank. And I think the Greek national team is a big part of that. Uh, today's game was a World Cup qualifier. Very early start for me. Middle of the day for our friends in the US. Uh, and uh, you said the exact record here. I was reading. It looked like it was a record crowd for a European World Cup qualifier. Now, that's a pretty niche uh Record bracket we're looking at there, but 19,000 plus are at this game. Went to overtime. Jokic versus Giannis. The atmosphere at this game was as good as we thought it would be. It would be just a fun game to go to, Frank. Let's get that out of the way first. Yeah, a lot of the commentary, especially from you know our friend Harris Stavrou and others that were in, in the building was you know that it was just crazy, super loud, <laughs> um, really intense. Um I'll have to take their word for it because the like FIBA courtside live uh, courtside 1891 app that I was using, which I paid like 35 bucks for. Don't get me started on total garbage. (laughs) Total garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Illegal streams have never looked so good. Um, I had so much, I had a really hard time getting the damn thing to work in like on a computer and then I was like, well, why am I doing this? I should actually, I was watching it on my daughter's iPad because I was like, you know, trying to do some work and stuff and like could not get it to like maximize so I could see it more than like a small thing. And then the odd volume was off. And then I realized like there was like, you could keep scrolling down and see the the buttons. And if you touch the screen at all, instead of bringing up a menu, it just pauses it immediately. It's just like, God, why is this so hard? And then I downloaded the app and literally kept pushing watch live for all these games and it never would open the video. It was just oh. terrible league. Pass, like we always give league pass a bunch of crap because league pass has just lagged behind, especially the MLB TV app. Um, but man, it was like FIBA is trying to make uh, the NBA look good 
in terms of, of apps. But anyway, I was still able to watch the game in spite of all that. Uh, I, I soldiered through all that adversity. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this, I would say this, this game absolutely lived up to the billing that, you know, a lot of people had been talking about for the past week or so, you know, let's just say late August, not exactly a time when we get to really see a lot of marquee basketball, but Giannis and Jokic actually having to defend each other, probably more than you normally would expect, especially given that, uh, Costa uh, picked up a knee injury and, and missed, uh, certainly most of the second half. And, you know, that meant Giannis sort of had to deal with Jokic's uh, considerable bulk. And, uh, you know, Giannis just not big enough uh, for for Jokic at times. But, I mean, Giannis, I mean, we need, we need to just like read off the sat line here. I mean, this, we talk about historic, you know, nights. Yes, the huge crowd, but Giannis 40 points on 14 and 25 shooting. I think he was two out of seven from three, seven out of 10 from the file line, 14 to 25 from the field. What, eight rebounds, six assists, and like two or three steals, I think. <laughs> um, and and in 40 minutes too, which is hard to do given that FIBA games are only 40 minutes long. Obviously the overtime extended the runway. Uh, I believe, you know, the, there were some tweets about it. I was looking back at his game log. I think the Mavericks loss at home last year was the only game in the regular season where he played 40 minutes and he, it was like barely 40 minutes. So this was a very uncommon workload for Giannis. He hit 40 a bunch of times in the playoffs. But, um, you know, obviously, especially given some of the kind of injury wobbles that he had with the knee in the back last you know week or two, let's just say I was not hoping for a 40-minute Giannis <laughs> uh, game today. Uh, and you just hope that, again, he gets kind of the as much rest and you know, with the ramp up here is probably the biggest thing you worry about, just the fact that he hasn't obviously played in a few months and now he's being asked to kind of immediately jump in and play heavy minute loads. Um, you know, fingers crossed, seem to get through this game fine. And, um, you know, apparently a FIBA qualifying record point total from Giannis as well, <laughs> which just underscores what we talked about last week, which is that, you know, for a guy that, has really not never found kind of his best basketball at the international level in FIBA competition. He mentioned 14.8 points per game in the last World Cup in 2019. Very disappointing performance for Giannis. He's been just dominant in all three games that he's played now, two friendlies and now this game, which obviously was very high stakes, especially for Serbia, given Greece was, I believe, at the top of the group coming into the game and Serbia was only one in three in this qualifying. So, um, you know, this was a must-win game for Serbia at home. And, you know, for a um, style of play in FIBA that you, again, we always talk about how it, it doesn't really tend to favor a guy like Giannis. His team, Greece, doesn't really have great shooting around him. Didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. He was uh, kind of his dominant self. And I thought the most interesting, I mean, he, he was out in transition a ton. He's got a good pick-and-roll understanding, especially with Nick Kalaitis, who certainly has some limitations again, especially as a shooter, but knows how to play off of Giannis and pick and roll. And his decision-making was really good. Had some nice, couple nice dishes to cost us for dunks. So f- always fun to see him hooking up with his brothers uh, on the floor and, and getting to, you know, experience again, just what must be just an incredible experience, you know, just him and his brothers playing, representing their country after all that they went through as kids to, to be here now at the highest level must be awesome. But, uh, Overall, again, job one, get Giannis through these games healthy. 
Um, I'm hoping we don't see a lot of or slash any more Giannis 40-minute games. Um, but, you know, that's kind of just the reality of, of these types of situations. You know, this is, uh, you know, you're the, the, uh, the, the Bucks are the older brother who's, who's got the Ferrari. This is the, you know, summer weekend where, where you hand the keys to the younger brother and say, hey, yeah, you want to borrow my car for a couple of weeks? Well, guess what? They're not going to baby that car. <laughs> They're going to go crazy and, uh, and put it through its paces. And obviously Greece, you know, they're not, they obviously, you know, the, I'm sure the, the Greek national team wants to get Giannis through these games healthy, but they also have, you know, let's just say slightly different motivations. They're trying to win these games now. And, you know, they're not worried about next year's playoffs and things like that. So again, it's always a, a difficult trade-off and I don't blame Bucks fans, especially if you're not Greek for having a little bit of mixed emotions. But, um, you know, again, I think the, the headline today is just, Giannis, once again, just looking um, like the best player in the world. And in a game where Nikola Jokic also reiterated why, you know, he's an MVP of the NBA as well. He was great. Um, and the two of them kind of going at it down the stretch was fun to watch. Both guys hit some big shots. And, uh, you know, again, uh, a loss isn't ideal, but a pretty, pretty great performance on the road in about as hostile environment as you can find. Yeah, as you mentioned, this game clearly just purely looking at the standings in the group for the World Cup meant a lot more uh, to Serbia than it did Greece. And I will say, I don't think you're going to make any friends, Frank, uh, with our Greek contingent, just based on you know, what I read in the YouTube comments. But in your defense, Frank, I, I'm going into bat for you. So uh, the other day when we discussed you know, Giannis and the back and the knee, there was a strong sentiment I can gather from our Greek friends that was, He's fine. They're just resting him. There's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, what I would say is do not use the fact that Giannis played 40 minutes today and had 40 points as some sort of evidence that he's fine. Uh, because let's just say there is a lot of evidence to suggest that this man can play through whatever the hell he needs to uh, to get the job done. And I think a matchup against uh, Nikola Jokic, he was going to play and he was never going to take himself off the floor uh, if he saw, that's for sure. That's just not in his makeup. That's why we love him. So, yeah, I think long-term, again, this is just not something he's put his body through in the middle of August. Is it preferable? No. Uh, did I think that it was incredibly fun to watch? Uh, absolutely. And it was like the contrast between Jokic and his old man game and Giannis's power and speed. Uh, the, the last four MVPs have gone to these, these two guys. I thought it was awesome. I would have liked it if... Uh, Greece could have got the win. One point I'll make uh, towards the end of overtime, uh, we saw Tyler Dorsey, who actually hit a couple of important shots throughout the game, hit the three to tie it up. The game went to overtime, kicked his leg out, kicked his leg out, was looking for the foul. In FIBA, you've got to be very careful. The officials are looking for any excuse to penalize uh, players for those types of things. So uh, he was probably a little bit fortunate there, but the game went to overtime as we said, and Serbia got the win. I want to ask you about Costas, though. You mentioned that he had a knee concern, didn't play uh, for much of the second half. But first, we'll talk about betonline.net, our sponsors of the podcast, and uh, big news today. Chet Holmgren, out for the season. The Liz Frank, the dreaded Liz Frank foot injury, I would say. Pretty common injury uh, here in Australia with footy players. I think NFL, there's been a number of guys that have had this, but it's not really great news, particularly for a seven-footer. So he's out obviously, at the Rookie of the Year race. But how did it shape 
the odds. Paolo Banquero, obviously the favorite. Keegan Murray second. What about Marjan Bochamp? The last time these odds came out, so around draft night, Marjan Bochamp was 66 to 1. Right now, he's 100 to 1. 100 to 1. Marjan Bochamp, do you like those odds? Are they juicy to you? Well, you can go and have a look at betonline.net. There's also NFL odds there and MLB as well. If you think the Brewers have got a run in them, well, I I admire your optimism. But uh, you can check out the odds at (laughs) betonline.net. That's that's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, now that I'm done pissing off our Wisconsin sports fans, Frank, with my uh, Milwaukee Brewers jokes, and I love the Milwaukee Brewers, to be clear. Uh, I want to ask you about Costas. So this is interesting. So Thanasis had some moments in this game, actually knocked down a couple of threes, uh, had a couple of putbacks. <laughs> we, uh, we should know one of those threes came from the corner about yes. you know eight seconds after he shot a corner yes. three that went off the side of the backboard. So And he gave it um, to the crowd. He did yeah, give it to the I mean, I guess, you know, shout out to, to, to Thanasis. And he's not afraid, right? Shooters got to shoot. <laughs> well, so does Thanasis. Like, to, to take that second shot after, you know, missing that first one so badly, like, that takes some chutzpah. And, uh, you know, shout out to Thanasis. Always fun to see the Adetokounmpo's doing their thing. And um, Costas in particular is he's looked really good um and hopefully that whatever the injury is i haven't seen an update on the injury but obviously um i, I don't think any of us uh greek fans bucks fans anybody wants to see Giannis having to play center for the entirety of of euro basket um and uh so again hopefully costas comes back comes back soon and they've got a you know a few days off here before uh for the next qualifier well thanasis also hit a three late in the fourth quarter, just to keep Greece alive. And they were able to push it to overtime. So he had some moments, there's no doubt. Uh, the thing that stood out to me, so I'm not going to lie about it. I haven't watched a lot of Costas play. Uh, I just haven't. Uh, I certainly haven't been following him play in France. Uh, wasn't watching him play with the East Bay, West Bay, North Bay Lakers or whatever they're called. I, I, I don't know what they're called, but I wasn't watching him there. So look, he's only 24, turns 25 in November. The thing that's, I don't know, snuck up on me is just how big this guy is. I mean, he is, like, height-wise, I mean, he's he's massive. Now, clearly, I think there was some moments tonight, particularly defensively, he was able to be scored on relatively easy, particularly on those sort of deep catches in the paint, which is not necessarily his fault. Uh, but where his age is, and based on the fact that, let's be honest, it's not going to surprise anyone if he ends up on the Bucks roster at, at one point or time. <laughs> Do you see, like, there is, he genuinely does stuff for this Greek team and he's a, a pretty important player, particularly with uh, Papa Giannis, not Papa Pittman, Papa Giannis, not in the lineup currently. Do you see anything with Costas? Because I, he's, you know, I know it's the name and that's why you get a little excited, but, you know, it's intriguing and you get excited when you see Giannis throwing these lobs to Costas. You're just, you're just trying to get me in trouble with, with Greek fans. Is that what you're trying to do? Well, um, I'm just just like just asking for some basic optimism here, Frank. But you do what you need to do on a Thursday night. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is, I, I'd be curious if you like kind of measured Giannis and and Casas back to back because Casas looks like he might be a little taller than Giannis yeah. at this point. Um, he's not as as just sort of physically strong, but he he does feel a little bit more like a typical like a more traditional center. 
you know, again, part of that I think is just because we're used to seeing Giannis. We know he doesn't love to to bang in the post against seven foot, you know, 270 pound two-time MVPs like Nikola Jokic, um, but who does? Uh, so I, I think part of it is just because uh, maybe he feel, Costas feels more like a true center just because of what he can't do. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have any of Giannis's kind of ball skill, um, but he's become a really good, you know, I think rim runner and just a guy who's explosiveness around the basket he's figured out how to put to good use you know he's i don't know how many dunks he has in the past couple weeks worth of friendlies but um the physical tool set is definitely there and i think you could definitely make an argument like is you know as as a player would the bucks be better off having costs us than thanasis well you definitely make that that argument you know uh i think the skill level required to be an NBA, you know, third string center or whatever it is, end of bench center type is obviously not that high. If you're really tall, you can block some shots and you can rim run and, and finish around the basket, which Costas can do. Then obviously that's, that's, you know, that gets you at least in the game. And, you know, uh, again, was he on the Lakers in part because of his last name? I'm sure that was a big part of it. Um, but, you know, could he play in the NBA at some point as, you know, a guy kind of a down the bench type guy, like, sure. Like, I think he has, you know, the requisite athleticism and size to do that. And I think the interesting question is, you know, for the role of being in that, in that position, um, you know, someone like the Nassus, uh, a lot of his job is to basically be a pain in the ass in practices, to be a cheerleader on the bench. And when he does get kind of random chances to play, like kind of bring energy and sort of change up the game's tempo a little bit which, you know, is different than asking him to be, you know, which of these guys would be a better starter at the NBA level, right? Um, I think Costas very, may very well be better suited to being, you know, a kind of deep rotation center than Thanasis as a, you know, slightly undersized foreman or something like that. But as far as a guy actually on your team playing a role in the locker room, et cetera, you know, Costas doesn't give, doesn't give me exactly the same Thanasis energy, Thanasis vibes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, I don't, I, th- I believe Costas is a free agent. I do not expect him to get the 15th roster spot. Although if he did, I would just probably laugh because I mean, why not at this point, right? We're, we've got the whole Adetokumbo family on payroll and, you know, hey, uh, might as well at this point, right? They got a big house in River Hills might as well just bring, bring them all home and have them all living together and commuting together to Bucks games. Uh, but shout out to Thanas, uh, to Acostas. I think he's gotten definitely better probably since he, we saw him in the NBA when didn't really feel like he was close to being an NBA player, but, uh, he's done well for himself. And, you know, he's still in that age range where probably the, the door has not been entirely slammed shut on his potential NBA future, especially given his last name and the fact that, you know, He's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt in ways that, you know, if your name was Kane Papa Pittman, uh, you probably wouldn't get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, five years younger than Thanasis as well. So the, is there more room for improvement? I guess we'll see uh, over the next period here. So Greece will play Belgium in the next World Cup qualifier in a couple of days' time. Uh, they've only lost the one game in qualifying, but after this next game against Belgium, there is four more games. The next window is in November. The following window is in February. So uh, just as a little bit of a news flash here, you're not going to have Giannis in those games. So I am curious, ahead of the Eurobasket, which is going to be a packed schedule, uh, does Giannis play in this game? 
I'm tipping that Greece would really, really want him to play, lock up this win, and then they're in a really, really strong position uh, for the World Cup next year. So I, I, you know, unless there's some real, you know, health concerns, I, I think that Giannis would want to play, and I think Greece would really want him to play. So we'll see uh, what happens there. You did DM me and mention Kevin Durant, Frank. The biggest topic of conversation in the NBA this offseason. What do you got to say for yourself? <laughs> well, I mean, do we do we need one more uh, one more basketball podcaster with a Kevin Durant opinion? Probably not. Probably not. We do. If it's uh, you, yes. I I will say this. Just I'll 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 just give my Kevin Durant take through the lens mainly of you know, sort of the Bucks, Bucks viewpoint, right? Bucks fans. Yep. Uh, I am okay with him trying to reconcile with the Nets. Uh, I, I think when it all started, and I think, you know, we both sort of made similar points about, hey, if Kevin Durant can get shipped out to Phoenix and <laughs> the Nets sort of, you know, downshift into, you know, kind of a play-in type team, maybe they have better longer-term odds, but the Nets sort of deconstruct the weirdness of, the KD kind of Kyrie era. Hey, that's fine. Um, let's let's just get rid of that that level of talent, especially KD from the East, and and move on. Um, but once Phoenix effectively got ruled out with with the Aiton signing, or really even before that, when it seemed like Brooklyn just didn't really want DeAndre Aiton, doesn't seem like anybody wants DeAndre Aiton. Um, maybe, maybe that'll make DeAndre Aiton happy when he realizes that the only people that really want DeAndre Aiton are the Phoenix Suns. Um, can't be DeAndre Hayton. By the way, I still find it so weird how like nobody was talking about DeAndre Hayton being pissed off until like basically they were, you know, getting killed in that game seven. It seemed like he pretty much like did fine all of last season. And then all of a sudden, like the last part of the playoffs there, he's having problems with Monty Williams, who's like, you know, everybody's favorite human being and everything. So I don't know, just a weird, weird situation that I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I would say I feel like the Suns have been dinged a little bit too much um, as far as like kind of preseason hype. It feels like people have sort of taken them out of like the top tier of the West in some cases, which maybe I don't think everybody has. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel like I'm higher on the Suns next year than than a lot of people. Um, but well, we'll see. Uh, but I think, you know, really when when it started being talked about more like, oh, Boston is the front runner for KD or, you know, maybe Toronto makes a run at KD. That's when I, again, viewing this through my Bucks colored lenses, started to think, Ugh, I don't, you know, I, uh, hey, KD could be a massively destabilizing figure for either of those franchises that kind of mortgages their future to an extent. I don't know if that's a home run move for either of those teams if they're having to give up, you know, for instance, uh, obviously Jalen Brown plus, you know, Marcus Smart plus something, or maybe it's just Jalen Brown and uh, Derek White and a first round pick, right? Um, but some version of that, I don't think it's, you know, necessarily like, oh, just give the Celtics the Larry O'Brien trophy or anything like that. Cause I think we know enough at this point, we handing out trophies in the summer just doesn't make sense. We know that the season's too long and so many things can change. But that said, I, I think him staying in Brooklyn, uh, probably is is for the best at this point for i would say other east teams that are not boston and and toronto um just because i I don't know i think i think the nets have a really nice roster 
But first off, just because he's staying there now, I don't think guarantees anything in terms of the rest of this season. Is KD, I, I'd, I'd be curious. I don't know if you've got the odds on Kevin Durant being on the Brooklyn Nets past the trade deadline this year, but I don't know if it's a coin flip, but I would say I'm not you know, completely sold that everything now is, is great. And those guys are all going to, you know, be happy moving forward because they just always seem to find reasons to not be happy and for things to be chaotic. So Brooklyn feels like it's going to be, you know, a roller coaster ride, no matter what happens. Um, I do think it's funny that they got knocked out of all those national TV (laughs) games because of all this. That's funny. I'm sure that networks will be scrambling to try to get them on at least early in the season when Durant is, is definitely still there. But, um, but I think net net, I think probably a good thing for the bucks that KD stays in Brooklyn. Again, that's one more team that that should be good next year. Um, but again, with, with all the uncertainty about that, with just the weird mix of characters they have, um, you know, the, as, as Camille was saying, the nets definitely don't frighten me. I think the, the Celtics are the only team. I wouldn't say they frighten me, but they're the only team that, you know, I, I, if I had my choice, I would not want to play in the playoffs if I didn't have to, uh, if I was the Bucks. And again, it's fun to look at, it's funny to look at it because, you know, Bucks had a three, two lead in that series and really blew a chance to win that even without Chris Middleton. But by the same token, um, I thought Boston just looked like the better team for a long stretch of that series as well. And Bucks obviously just sort of ran out of gas by game seven. So, um, you know, in, in so many ways, I feel like the rest of the East is, just sort of window dressing to me, Boston is is sort of the clear team that the Bucks should have in their sights as as kind of the team that they're going to have to go through. And when from a team construction standpoint, I think they're the 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 again kind of the lens you apply in in terms of thinking about it is you know how do you build a roster that can beat the Boston Celtics? That's kind of you know again the first the first way that I would be looking at my roster construction. And you know the good news is I think you do have a roster that can beat the Boston Celtics. So I don't want to make it seem like, oh, you know, they're screwed. They've got to go make a big move or something like that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm just really looking forward to the season. Should be uh, a very, very, very interesting Eastern Conference. And um, again, just kind of fun to see the Eastern Conference actually be really good. And, you know, which is, has been a relatively new thing for us, given the way the East has been for certainly much of my my fandom um, you know, basically the post bulls Eastern conference is not exactly, um, you know, uh, scared too many folks, uh, at least coming out of the West, but, um, but we'll see. So Katie, it's fine that you're happy for now. Um, I enjoy his tweets where he's dragging people. Um, but KD also just kind of a weird guy and, um, man, uh, it's going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm sure many of his interactions with Steve Nash are going to be closely monitored in game this year, just given the the history of basically him getting hired because of KD and Kyrie, now seemingly KD trying to run him out of town, and apparently for the moment uh, them reaching some sort of, of peace agreement. So um, I don't know, never never a dull moment. But um, hopefully the other piece. Hopefully Jalen Brown is feeling very underappreciated in Boston. Hopefully him getting dragged through the trade rumors again. Not like it's a insult to be you know used as a centerpiece of hypothetical kevin durant trade rumors but i don't know you know hopefully uh hopefully he's feeling a little unloved a little underappreciated and uh i think boston is interesting just because 
adding Brogdon, um, the group of guys they have, uh, really talented, you know, but they also don't have, uh, you know, kind of that Giannis tier one type superstar as good as Tatum was for most of last year. And I don't know. It's interesting, right? Throw Malcolm Brogdon in the mix. You got Jalen Brown. How's he going to be feeling this year? Jason Tatum, he obviously feels like he's the top dog. It's just an interesting mix of personalities, let's say. And uh, I don't know. You know, you can't really take anything for granted. I think the Bucks are maybe the only team that I trust from a personality standpoint will be stable. And, you know, especially when you compare them to Philly with, with Harden and Embiid and Harden's history, you compare them to even Miami. I mean, Jimmy is as good as Spo is, as stabilizing as Spo is. Jimmy's just so weird. You just never know with Jimmy. Um, and, and obviously we know with, with KD and, and we'll see with Boston now as well. Um, you know, depth, I'm not saying depth is a bad thing, but a lot of mouths to feed, especially with, with Brogdon there now. And, um, Ime Udoka has an enviable job, but he also has, uh, may have a little bit of challenging job at times, sort of keeping, keeping everybody happy. And, um, we'll see, hopefully that works out in, in the Bucks favor at some point. And is Kevin Durant actually happy, or is it just no. too close, too close to training camp, <laughs> or is it just too close to training camp, and they all realized, well, you're gonna have to come back. So we better say that everything's fine, and uh, you know we'll see. So we'll see what plays out there. Uh, to your point, you made the Nets are now third favorite uh, in the East, uh, behind the Bucks and Celtics. They weren't there, so they've definitely come in. So people believe if he's around, rightly so, that this will be a better team. Uh, but we shall we shall wait and see. And uh, one final point. You mentioned Camille saying she's not scared of anyone. Well, we had some pushback to that. But in Camille's defense, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, but uh, I think the point is that it's not like there's a, you know, KD, Steph Curry, Warriors in the East. Like, I don't think there's a, there's not a team that you should be going to sleep or not be able to sleep at night because of, yeah, there's a bunch of good teams, but uh, the Bucks have the best player in the world. So I don't think there's anyone... Uh, you should be terrified of at this point in the season. We'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, there, there's only one team that basically has won a championship in the East, right? That's with, yeah. with all due respect to Toronto, the Toronto team that won in 2019, yes. that was not the Toronto team that we have now, right? That was a Kawhi team. Yeah. They basically immediately broke up and we haven't seen that team since. So, you know, basically it's, it's the Bucks. The Bucks are the only team in the East that has proven they can win a championship and, Cleveland, no, this ain't the Cleveland, the LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers that that beat the seventy-three win <laughs> Warriors. The Heat have not won a championship. Good job, good effort, getting close in the bubble. Boston obviously fell short. Um, so at the end of the day, I mean, that's that's one huge thing that the Bucks have in their favor. They're the only team currently standing in the East that that has done this. And again, I think um, as much as I talked about the other day, I worry about eh, maybe a little. Are they? Are they in danger of maybe getting a little bit stale? Could they use maybe a little bit of difference, um, a little bit of different energy? We'll see if your guy Joe Ingles can can deliver that once he finally gets back on the court. But um, but it's not a bad place to be, you know. Yasuda Kumbo that we saw again today, uh, just having that guy on your team is uh, is the best advantage you can have. You can't start with anything better than than putting him on the floor first. So. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. We get to watch hopefully another couple weeks of him injury free, and then he gets a few weeks off, and then we get the real NBA basketball. Well, preseason real NBA basketball starting October first, and let's just say 
we often try to warn people, you know, like don't buy tickets on the second night of a back-to-back expecting to see Giannis on the road or something like that. Um, October 1st, I would say don't hold your breath that you're going to see Giannis suiting up in the first preseason game. We talked about how he's probably has to play in those two games in Abu Dhabi, but, um, but we'll see. Hopefully Giannis can continue to play at a high level, continue to look ready to dominate as he has now. Now even FIBA uh, can't hold him down uh, apparently based on the past couple of weeks. So hopefully that continues and hopefully his health continues to trend in the right direction. And we get to watch some, some basketball while we wait for, for box basketball. Absolutely. Check out the Locked On NBA podcast as well. And uh, as we can see there, Frank has a Lucaville dozer. Uh, I, I was, I was going to say, it's it's a Bucks and Six shirt, but um, I, I just like the fact, I see, I still think of it as sort of like I'm having an Eric Bledsoe jersey. That's sort of how I think about it. Shout out to Eric Bledsoe. Rest in peace. Rest his NBA career in peace. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Jeez. Still alive, we hope. We love that man. Uh, but... Uh, wearing the number six, you're able to stand up to the pressure of this podcast, Frankie boy. And for that, <laughs> for that, we are proud. All right. As I said, check out the Lockdown NBA podcast. And uh, yeah, you'll find out everything that's going on around the NBA. There was all the World Cup qualifiers, so a bunch of guys playing uh, overnight. So you can catch up on everything that's going on there. As we mentioned, Greece and Belgium in a game that uh, is, you know, carries some importance. For Team Greece. So we'll be able to keep an eye on that one. Uh, shout out to Courtside1891 and uh, all the best. <laughs> Trying to catch that stream there. And we will speak to you guys after the weekend.